Well, twas the night after Christmas on Northerly Isle, a land shrouded in mystery and snow in the northern part of the land of Austera. On this night, it is a night like no other. All of the work is done. All of the gnomes have built all of their toys. Santa is resting. And yet two reindeer in particular, Comet and Cupid, find themselves getting back to all of what they truly love to do. Comet and Cupid are the type of reindeer that don't live to work, but rather work to live. And they've done all of their working for the season and are now ready to live. And so they find themselves at a local tavern called the Jingle Bells, where they're enjoying a night of fun and festivities, meeting some of the other local gnomes who are blowing off steam after a very crazy and hectic season. They find themselves playing one of their best shows ever as they are musicians for the band Buck the Trend, a ska punk band that has taken over Northerly Isle with its fame. But what they don't know is that deep somewhere in the working season, they missed getting a note. A note from the older reindeer, the rest of the reindeer that pull Santa's sleigh around the, around the world of Austera to give toys to children. A note that called them to a union meeting as these reindeer are getting older and are a little suspicious that the younger reindeer are going to try and take their jobs. And so because they missed this meeting, Santa has dispatched his secret service of gnomes to take care of some of the, well, naughty list people of which Comet and Cupid find themselves. The last thing Comet and Cupid remember is walking out of Jingle Bells after one of their best sets they've ever played to being swarmed by numerous gnomes, knocked unconscious. And now we go to Comet and Cupid. The last thing you remember are gnomes swarming you, biting you, clawing you, scratching you, all of these things knocking you unconscious. You have no idea where you are. You can start to, as your senses come back, you can start to hear the dull roar of a crowd, something you're familiar with playing in a, a ska punk band, which is new to the land of the Northerly Isles. You've, you've heard these sorts of roars. You've heard these sorts of cheers. But instead of cheers of joy and delight, they f sound more like cheers of blood fury and frenzy your ears start to come to and you hear these cheers and these roars, your eyes start to open back up and, and this sort of like blurry haze begins to fade and you sit up, snow lightly covering the ground that you are sitting on. You stand up and look around and immediately your hearts sink. You know where you are. You've been here before. You've watched what happens in this space. You find yourself in Santa's gladiator arena. What Comet and Cupid you both know is that every year, the day after or a couple days after Christmas, Santa and his gnomes like to have a little bit of fun. It's a stressful season. There's lots of ungrateful children all over the land of Austera, and many of them make the naughty list. The dark side of Santa and of Northerly Island that you that inhabit the island know about is that every year Santa takes a couple of those from the naughty list and brings them here for the fun of the gnomes and Santa. It's his way of helping them blow off a little steam and frustration for those who are naughty and those who are ungrateful. And you're perplexed as to why you've made your way here. 
You don't know that you've done anything wrong. You don't know that you've missed a meeting. You just know the last thing that happened to you was you were attacked by some gnomes and presumably dragged here and set in the middle. And you know what awaits you. I'll turn it over to you two. You wake up, you are dazed, confused, really perplexed as to why you find yourself here. You hear all of these really high-pitched, gnome-cheering voices, and you look at them and you see their eyes are just, like, dilated, like, just infuriated, like, just filled with all of this rage and fury for what is about to happen, almost blood drunk on this upcoming thing that you are about to embark on. You look around, and the last thing you remember doing together was playing in your band, and now you find yourselves here. How are you feeling? What do you say to each other? Uh, Comet, who is a reindeer folk that is wearing all golden uh, plate mail armor, he has in his uh, hands a golden mace that looks like the North Star. He has a big cigar in his mouth that he's always smoking, and apparently even being knocked out is still in his mouth. Um, it is odd that you've woken up here drag. with all of your gear <laughs> on, on you, but it's 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 Santa's way of saying like you've seen him do this before with he other people. He wants it. It's not just it's not just like a, a slaughterhouse in here. Like they want to have fun. They want to watch. They want to like see their food and their prey be played with a little bit. I take a long puff of my cigar and I look at my companion. Cupid, what is this? So Cupid is looking every which way, and there's this starry gleam in in his eyes, because that's how his eyes look at all times. Um, because I just took an astral elf and redid it because I figured it would work really well. <laughs> and um, he, even before answering, checks his gear as well to make sure that his bow is there, the one thing that he holds most dear. And I'm trying to think of a voice for Cupid. Looks like we're in trouble again. I don't know. I, I did it. You did it. It seems likely. Son of a nutcracker. Is this all because we tried to unionize? Or our show? Or I'm... Doesn't he tell us why we're in here? Yeah, you, yeah you've, what, you've been here before. You know that he lists off essentially like what a judge would. Like, here's your charges that are, that are against you for why you ended up on the naughty list. So then I'll I'll just turn the direction I know that he'll be in and I just I stand there and I wait cuz there's nothing nothing to do but to do it. I follow. So you all as you you know the procedure here. You you know that all of the gnomes they they just feed off of each other. It's almost like this hive mind sort of experience where they just live for this moment after Christmas and after a while you see one gnome walk out from where Santa and Mrs. Claus normally sit, and he walks out with this horn and goes. And you see all of the gnomes just drop silent and turn and look towards where Mrs. Claus and Santa's thrones are. You see these beautiful, ornate, almost made out of like gingerbread type thrones with candy cane poles on each side. And it looks like it's not made out of gingerbread. It's it's clearly like embroidered, but it looks very much like a gingerbread house with the icing around the top of it. And walking from either side, you see Mrs. Claus, who is this short, kind of stout, compact dwarf uh, woman with curly white hair with a bonnet on top of her head, comes and stands in front of uh, her chair. And you see out of the other side, you see this very hefty, burly but not so much in shape, but rather a very large, portly belly dwarf walk out, thick white beard, long white hair, 
but like balding around the top here. No, no, like more of a skullet sort of look than anything. And he walks out and stands in front of the crowd, uh, just kind of hands outstretched. And he starts to deliver a speech to them. And he says, oh, 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 my friends, welcome once again to the gladiatorial arenas where we put to the test some of the, well, naughty ones from Austera. This year we have some special guests, two of our own, who decided to join the naughty list. I tried to make every effort to allow this union thing to happen, but when these two individuals decided that their band bucked the trend, which we all love, I might say, when they decided that that was more important than coming to the union meeting, well, my good graces ran out. And so now they find themselves here with a decision to make, rather a challenge to fulfill. You all know how this works. There will be three challenges laid out for you, Comet and Cupid. If you successfully pass them, you will be put back onto the nice list and the union will be allowed to pass. But should you fail, well, first of all, there will be nothing left for you here. You will be dead. And the union will not happen at that point. And that would be very sad, as many of the reindeer do wish for that to happen. So it all rests on your shoulders now because of the decisions that you've made that have landed you on the naughty list. And so with that, I believe we are ready for the games to commence. First, he'll say, is there anything that you would like to say, Comet and Cupid, to your fellow compatriots of Northerly Island here before we begin the challenge? I push uh, Cupid aside <laughs> and step in front and raise my mace and just say, Santa, boss, you'll rue the day in which you brought us to the arena. Bring forth! And I, like, like gladiator, wave my arms out and just start, like, looking at all of the crowd. Any and all foes, and I will take my mace, and I will pa-rum-pa-pum-pum all over their face. And he kind of gives this portly laugh, uh, as he, he, he is one for enjoying all of the puns uh, that he's come accustomed to hearing over and over on uh, Northerly Isle. And he says, Ah, very well, Comet and Cupid. May the games commence, and he pulls out from his pocket this, like, large tankard of ale that you wonder how it was, like, in there, and he just kind of downs it and then cracks it against this, like, massive gong that looks like a cookie kind of standing next to his seat, and he cracks it against that, and he kind of takes off his cape and sits down on the throne, ready to enjoy the festivities and bloodshed that should happen. With the gong, it tends to res- it, it sounds like it resonates and fills and uh, throughout the entire arena, and you hear all of a sudden this like foot pounding over and over, kind of doof, 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 doof. and you look around as all of the gnomes are starting to like pound their feet over and over, and that sort of blood frenzy and uh, is starting to kind of swell back up in them, and you start to hear from either side of where you are. As you've kind of turned, you're looking up at Santa and Mrs. Claus. And to the right of you and to the left of you are two portcullises. And you see them start to both raise slowly. And as they start to raise, you also start to see snow begin to fall. 
and it starts to get heavier and heavier almost instantaneously. It starts swirling around you as if it's this blizzard kind of obscuring your view, making it hard for you to see uh, everything that's around you. And you start hearing from either side these large bellowing roars of creatures from both sides, sounding very familiar or very similar. And then you start to hear running through the snow as the snow is starting to pile up around you. I need both of you to roll for initiative. Eleven. All right. So the initiative order will be monster, Cupid, monster. And you said, Comet, you got a two? (laughs) Yes, I did. All right. Great. So from both sides, you hear that running, that pounding, that roaring. Cupid, from the snow, which you cannot see more than maybe 10 feet in front of you, um, you start to see the shadow emerge and leaping from in front of you. You see a giant Yeti trying to tackle you and take you off of your feet. Does a nope. An eight will not hit. <laughs> no. Uh, 25 to hit. Yes. Oddly enough, I don't have anything to uh, counter a 25. <laughs> <laughs> this is starting off really great for us. You're going to hit you're going to take 7 points of slashing damage and 3 points of cold damage. And then I need you to roll a constitution saving throw for me. So 13 plus 5 so 18. All right, so you feel as it slashes through you and hits you once, you start to see its eyes kind of glaze over with this light blue color, and you can feel this just cold try to take over your body. Almost almost in a sense, if it got all the way through, it would paralyze you and freeze you in your place. And you feel this, like, your heart almost starting to chill as well, but you're able to shake it off, and you don't take any damage or become paralyzed. Uh, but you do get the sense that, like, if it would have hit, that would have hurt very bad. So... You make it through. All right, then it is Cupid's turn. Okay, well, then I will, like I said, uh, I went with the, the Astral Elf for, for many reasons, one of which is apparently I get a teleport, so I'm going to use that as my bonus nice. action right now. Um, so you see the, the the snow start to pick up, and it shimmers in the light, and you can almost see that same starry look as in his eyes, and then you blink, because everyone does, and he, he's not there anymore. He's 30 feet over. Um, So then he teleports over and then it's time to shoot because I don't want to die. Um, (laughs) So I rolled an 18 plus four because I'm using sharpshooter to get 10 additional damage. So I'm terrified of what's happening now. Yep. So roll your damage. So seven damage from that. Three more psychic damage from my bow. Nice. And then the additional 10 because of sharpshooter. Nice. Good hit. Was that just one or was that two shots? Oh, that's right. I have I get two shots because I'm a, I'm a fighter. Yeah. Look at me go. Who knew? I got you. <gasps> I rolled a 20. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Not 20? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so take your take your die roll, get that automatically as a maximum, and then roll okay. one more time and add that to it. Okay, so then I see what you're saying. So then that'll be 12 to start. Okay. And then I'll roll one more. There we go. So 12 plus 17 more. Okay, good. You Well, first you teleport over here. You turn and you can see like 
the outline of the of the Yeti still, but it's not like real good in focus, but it's just kind of at that range where um, you can still see it a little bit. And you let loose two arrows right into its stomach. You see it kind of like drop down to a knee, blood starting to cover the ground, and it just kind of whoa, stands back up and turns towards you. It's not looking great. Yeah, and none of and so the other thing with the bow is that it creates its own ammunition. So it's two purple dragon wings as the pieces, and then it just coalesces in this this purple energy as well. And then as soon as they hit, they disappear. So then there's nothing nothing to pull out, and just damage is done. Excellent. So, comet, you see this happen. You're kind of like looking, watching your friend get destroyed by this thing. And then he teleports away and then up kind of over your right shoulder, you see these two arrows fly by and hit into this Yeti and disappear. It drops down to a knee and stands up. It's right in front of you. You can also hear kind of off to your left, another one charging and running towards you. Well, I'm going to react to the two arrows hitting into the first Yeti and just yell, that's my boy. <laughs> Which, take it as you will. Maybe I'm his father. Maybe that's just a term of name. <laughs> <laughs> well, Comet's going to start swinging uh, his mace as he walks up to the first Yeti. He's going to completely ignore the second one. He wants to take down this one that's right in front of him first. Uh, and as he's swinging, he's singing, Come, they told me, ba-rum-ba-bum. And then I'm going to swing my mace right at his face. Nice. Okay. I got a 20 to hit. That hits. And I will do a total of nine damage. What does it look like when you kill this creature? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously I kill this creature. I'm going to bring my mace right down his face, as I promised. I'm going to rip it out, blood just spewing all over my golden armor. And if I can, I will put one foot up on its back as I turn to face the incoming sound of potentially another Yeti. Yeah, you do that easily. Um, and you turn and face, and at that moment, as you swing through, is there anything else you want to do in your turn? Yes. In fact, I will do something else. I will use my bonus action to cast Spiritual Weapon. Nice. And I'm going to place that Spiritual Weapon uh, right by my side, expecting there to be more fighting right in this place. Love it. Well, what, what's it look like? It looks like my instrument in our ska punk band, which is nice. a which is a saxophone, but it's like a heavy duty one that's just going to clobber the enemies. It's turned upside down, so the horn part of it is yes. <laughs> ready to club. <laughs> Love it. By the power of Duke Silver. <laughs> so you swing through felling this beast, turning, casting spiritual weapon next to you with the brilliant saxophone solo as it rises next to you. And the Yeti kind of leaps in at you, trying to claw you twice. So let me roll those attacks a minute. Does a 17 hit? A 17 does not hit my beautiful golden armor. Okay. Does a... Nope, that won't hit either. Wow, they're rolling really bad. I have a shield too, so I'll, I'll just, yeah, as those hits come in, raise my shield and just let them come down upon my shield and give this second yeti a look uh, of which he knows what's coming next. Yeah, he like swings down and he's like oh, right in your face and you can see his 
eyes start to glow this bright blue color, of which you didn't see it do it to Cupid, he, although it did happen to Cupid, but you didn't see that part of it. But you start to feel this overwhelming sense of cold radiate through your body. I need you to make a constitution saving throw for me. <laughs> a critical one. Hey! <laughs> I think I failed. I believe you fail too. So you're going to take... Uh, 15 points of cold damage from this Yeti. I'm resistant to that. Nice. But you become paralyzed for the next minute. Not fantastic. Uh, But you can repeat the saving throughout the end of each of your turns. So at the end of your next turn, you'll be able to take a constitution saving throw to try and break free from it. All right. We are back up to the top. So the first Yeti is dead. So Cupid, you are up. All right. I assume I would be aware that Comet has been paralyzed. Um, would be probably pretty notable from the lack of movement. <laughs> yeah, you do see like he comes up and blocks the shields, but you don't see him move from that after the slams are done. He's just like frozen with his shield above his head. I will use one of my subclass features because I chose the samurai, and I will use a fighting spirit. Nice. Which will give me a as a bonus action. Um, I can give myself advantage on the weapon attack rolls until the end of the current turn and give myself five temporary hit points. And because I took one level in rogue, that means I will also get sneak attack when I attack. Nice. um, I will roll with advantage right now. Does a 16 hit? A 16 does hit, yes. And I'm all doing all of these with sharpshooter because I'm terrified still. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be 16 damage. And then let me roll 2d6, one for sneak attack, one for psychic damage, for another six damage. Okay. Let's shoot him again. So I've rolled a one and a two on my advantage dice, but that's okay because there's a a completely broken feat called elven accuracy that allows you to re-roll one of your die on advantage. (laughs) So it's triple advantage. Wow. So that there we go. So now I'm back at back at sixteen to hit. So so glad you're playing a reindeer elf. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's a Ralph. Um, so that's another sixteen damage. Nice. Okay. And do you want to do anything else on your turn? Move, or are you good? Uh, nope. I'll stay here. Okay. The Yeti, seeing that he has frozen Comet, is going to try and swing through again with two attacks. With advantage this time as well, because you are paralyzed. 20 hits. 20 hits. All right. So you will take nine points of slashing damage, plus three points of cold damage. And then he is going to try and attack you a second time. Does an 18 hit? Yeah. uh, No, it does not. Okay. All right. So he kind of like swings through the second time, but it like grazes off the front of your golden armor doing no damage. Actually, at that point, he is going to step back into the snow far enough that Cupid, you have about 30 feet of range that you can see fairly well. Uh, Anything beyond that, you're going to be shooting with disadvantage on to try and find him. But he sneaks back into the snow and you kind of like lose sight of where he currently is. And now it is Comet's turn. You can try and break free uh, if you wish. I do wish. 
damage. So roll a constitution saving throw for me. And that's a 12. You still feel frozen solid. The the DC to beat is 13. Uh, So Cupid, it is back up to your turn. Then Cupid will start to move both towards Comet and towards where he thinks the Yeti might have gone. Yeah, you saw he backed up back towards the portcullis this way. So that's where you saw him go. Go ahead and just jump in front of my friend, my boy. Okay. Oh, are you my dad? <laughs> I don't know how this reindeer thing works. <laughs> All right. What else do you What else do you want to do on your turn, Cupid? So I'm just. I really, I'm just looking because if I can find the yeti, I'm going to shoot the yeti. Okay. You can roll a perception check for me. As you move in front, you don't see him yet. So I only got a twelve. You think you see a glimpse of him off towards where Santa and Mrs. Claus are. Like kind of that moment where you see something move out of the corner of your eye and you like look that direction real quick, reaction or reacting to it. So if I gave myself advantage, it would counter the disadvantage and I could just shoot normally. Uh-huh. So I'll do that. I'll, I'll use my second use of fighting spirit. So then now I'm at neutral and I will not use sharpshooter um, just to maybe ensure that I get a couple hits in. Sure. So 16 plus 9 is a 27 to hit. That first one hits. You do, in fact, you hear... 7 plus 9 is 16. Got it. Yeah, that... Yes, both of them hit. So then I got 11, 17, 21, 29 damage between the two hits. Nice. What does it look like when you kill this thing? Because I I don't imagine a Yeti being the, the smartest of creatures... I think that, like, after that first hit, you can see it kind of reach down because the instinctual would be to, like, either remove the arrow, deal with it in some way, and as they lean over, that second one gets it right in the head and it just crumples forward yeah. right in front of Santa. And that's exactly what I'm looking at as soon as it happens. <laughs> you fire a warning shot into his seat next to him. <laughs> I've wondered if I could. I've decided not to test that theory, but it has come to mind several times. Of either shooting gnomes or There's Santa. still time, Neil. There's still yeah. time. <laughs> so you immediately hear as the last one dies, the snow starts to subside, and you hear, yeah, from the crowd. You hear them all just go nuts. They're loving it, as if somehow everyone on the outside could see in, and they saw a comet get frozen. Cupid, you get leaped on by a Yeti from uh, the first moments of the battle to you teleporting, you shooting, like... You get the sense that whatever the environment changes to in here, everyone on the outside can still see what's happening uh, on the inside. And in fact, you've experienced that in the past. So they are loving it. And Santa gets up and he's like, oh, and he starts clapping his hands. He says, very good. Thank you so much for that entertaining first round. But as you know, it only gets harder from here. And with that, he takes out another mug of ale and scatters it across the gong not even really giving you guys a chance to react. Comet, you feel your insides when the Yetis died and everything starts to subside. You kind of break free from that frozen effect and are free to to move around now. Oh, I know, Chris, because I rolled my first nat 20 of the game to escape. There you go. <laughs> lovely, lovely. So then what you start to hear is you start to feel the ground shake beneath you. And all of a sudden you see all around you, you see these evergreen trees start to pop up in this arena. And they all look identical to each other. 
you see all of these evergreen trees pop up all over this space. Then you start to see this light snow start to fall. It's a very surreal, kind of serene environment that you find yourself in. You've seen these trees growing all over the Northerly Isles. They're beautiful. People come to the Northerly Isle if they are allowed to get a special one of these sorts of evergreen trees for the capital cities of the countries around the world. They are prized. They are beautiful, gorgeous trees. And now you're surrounded by a dozen of them or so. And you hear the portcullises open. But nothing comes out of them that you see. But I do need you to roll for initiative for me. But why? There's nothing here. I got an 18. I got a three. Moving up in the world. Okay. So, uh, Comet, you or uh, Cupid, you will be first. Followed by enemies. And then bringing up the rear, we've got Comet. Good. Cupid, what would you like to do in this first round? I would like to climb up the closest tree. Oh, we had very different ideas. <laughs> I will let you decide which one that is. Climb up this tree. Perfect. You start to climb up the tree, and it's probably about 20 feet taller. So how high up in it do you want to go? Uh, I'll go about 10 feet. I feel like anything above that, I'm going to start risking coming back out of the tree too quickly. You ever go out into the, the woods and see a reindeer climbing a tree? <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah, me neither. Nope. Hey, no. wait, do you think that we're reindeer on like all four hooves? <laughs> Yes. I think we alternate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like wear reindeer. You can choose. So you start to climb this tree, but what do you? What else do you want to do on your turn? Um, I would just be looking for for whatever's next because that's that's the name of this game for sure. Having seen all of this before, like, is do we have any inclinations what it might be, or is it kind of mixed up every time that this this whole thing happens? A lot of times it's been it's been different, but you can try and rack your brain and roll like an intelligence check for me if you want. Or a history check or something. I got a 10. You've seen trees pop up. What you get the sense of is like this arena shapes and is magical and kind of terraforms itself into whatever would be best suited for the creatures that come through the doors. But usually there's creatures that come through the doors. You've never really seen nothing come through yet. So you're yeah. either thinking like, Maybe that's a little slower. Maybe it's like invisible. Like you, you it, it's perplexing to you why something hasn't come through those doors yet. But as you're racking your brain, you start to feel the tree underneath you begin to shake. And it starts to shake violently, more and more violent over and over and over again, as if the tree is trying to get you out of it. <laughs> and so does a... 13 hit you. No. I'm at, I'm at 16. All right. So it starts to like shake back and forth, back and forth. And you're kind of like almost losing grip on like holding on to this tree. Uh, but eventually it like comes and kind of settles back down into place. Yeah. Then can I take an action as well? Because I, I just used movement. So it, it's not much. But I'm going to cast Dancing Lights because that's another racial um, feature. And basically, you can apparently have either four lights or turn it into a vaguely humanoid shape. I feel like the humanoid shape is more Cupid's style. Basically, this kind of just four, formless, almost humanoid shape of light. Um, and I'll have it show up next to the portcullis. Maybe it'll help us find something so at some point because I can also move it around. Okay. Uh, comment. You feel from right next to you, you kind of 
turn and you see this tree right here uproot itself and start to walk closer to you. And you see these eyes start to open on it and it starts to bring across one of its big branches to club you across the side of the head uh, for a 21 to hit. 21 hits. Doing 17 points of bludgeoning damage to you. Cupid, as you're rolling this intelligence check, it doesn't quite click for you the first time as you're sitting thinking about it as the tree kind of stops wiggling. But then you see the tree next to Comet uproot itself and start walking and club him across the head. And you begin to realize that as a child, you remember hearing stories of the forests of Northerly Isle being filled with trees that would come alive. It was it was sort of like a nightmarish fairy tale that you were told as children. And you realize now that you are facing potentially a magical forest filled with, well, you're not quite sure how many uh, awakened trees because you also heard that when they remain motionless, they look like any other tree. Oh, boy. So uh, with that, Comet, it is your turn. All right. Well, um, I am going to wipe some blood from my mouth because Comet's looking a bit damaged at this point. And I'm going to uh, then start laughing really quietly. (laughs) And then I'm going to loudly say, Santa, 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 don't you know it's not a true Christmas tree unless... You light them up! And then I'm going to cast Wall of Fire. Ooh, um, yeah. And Chris, it's going to be 60 feet long, so I don't know if you got something for that, but I'm going to do a 20 feet in diameter, 20 foot high, 1 foot thick ringed wall. So the two trees, be they trees or not, uh, one of them we know is not a tree. Yep. Immediately when that happens, they have to make a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Which I hope a tree is bad at, but... (laughs) It has a minus two, so it got a seven, so it fails. The other one, you see just start on fire. It does not move, it does not do anything. It is just a normal tree. Um, And so on a failed save, a creature takes 5d8 fire damage, or half as much. So I'm going to roll that. So that's going to be 31 fire damage. Woo! You immediately see the tree next to you burn up into ash. You kind of look around behind you. The one behind you just immediately just lit into flames. It's so hot. It burns the leaves off or the needles off immediately. And there just stands the skeletal remains of this tree. The the branch is just charred and scarred without any of the needles. It's just a bare dead tree there uh, next to you. The tree in front of you starts to scream and run as it's on fire, starts running and bumps into two of the other trees around. It bumps into this one first, and then this one, starting them both on fire, and all of them just go up in flame. Neither of those other two were awakened trees either, though. Definitely not now. And this one is gone. So, all right. Anything else you want to do on your turn? Uh, I'm just going to (laughs) say, let your heart be light. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) All right, great. Back up to the top, Cupid. It is your turn. So it's a, it's like a ring around you that is the wall of fire. Yes, correct. Like so, if I were to go, if in you want to come stand next to me, you're going to be running through a wall of fire. Yes. Heck, no, I'm not. I'm teleporting. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to use my now that I'm in a tree that I think is alive. 
um, after seeing everything else, I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going to definitely use one of my other starlight steps and teleport into the middle of the wall of fire and then shoot back at the tree. Um, shout, all right, all right, all right. It's going to be one holy night. And then I'm going to shoot a bunch of arrows. At the tree you were just in? Yeah. Nice. So I got a 14 to hit. 14, let me double check. Does hit. Okay. Are you, you're in the ring of fire now, right? Yeah. Okay. And then I got an 18 to hit. 40 damage. Wow. Okay. All right. So you foom, foom, shoot, and they take a little bit of like, just for comic effect, or for uh, theatrical effect, they shoot through this wall of fire, gathering a little bit of fire as they go and stick into the tree that you were at, leaving these sort of singed marks where the arrows kind of explode across its body. And you see it like lift up its two legs out of the ground, pat out the, the fire in front of it and look at both of you as if it's ready to come and try and attack you. But it looks confused because... Come on down. He doesn't want to touch the fire. Come on, you stupid tree. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to use a free action to uh, headbutt my boy. Like, he's going to headbutt me back, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you get your antlers locked and are just... Then <laughs> <laughs> we get a huge battle in the middle Restrained. of the wall of fire. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. All right, anything else you want to do, Cupid? Uh, so that was bonus action, action... And I have no reaction, so no, that's it. All right. Uh, how tall is all your? Right, all right. How tall is your wall? Twenty fire? feet tall. Twenty feet tall. Okay. I am going to roll an intelligence check for this tree to see what it does next. <laughs> Come on, you stupid tree. Nope. This is apparently a really ungodly smart tree. <laughs> <laughs> so it is going to walk over to one of the smaller trees and it is going to rip it out of the ground and try and throw it up and over the flame to land down on top of you all in the middle. So I need you both to roll a dexterity saving throw for me. Neil, you gave him the idea with the arrows. You, <laughs> I thought I went through. I went through. What do you need us to roll? A dexterity saving throw for me. 19. Okay. Five. Okay. You both see this tree come flying over and you're trying to scramble to get out of the way of each other. And Comet, you kind of like start to run away from Cupid and Cupid tries to follow right after you, but like misses a step and kind of kicks your foot as you're moving and falls down. And all of a sudden, wham, this tree just lands on top of you, Cupid, doing nine points of bludgeoning damage to you. Uh, but Ooh. Cupid, because or Comet, because you rolled high enough, you negated all of the damage for it. Could I um, actually use my, since I beat the deck save, am I able to see it coming and instead push Cupid out of the way and you take could. that yeah. damage instead? I'm going to do that. So you're going to take the damage instead of Cupid? I'm going to take the damage instead. Oh, look at you. Okay, yes. You He's my boy. That. That's fine. Okay, my boy, I'll take that nine. And you see him... <laughs> move to the next tree over here and begin to try and rip it out of the ground. But he'll do that next turn and not this turn. So then we are back to Comet. You're up. I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on myself. All right. Healing myself. Hey, max max healing. So 18 points of health to myself. Nice. Looking a bit better. And I'm going to then... 
use my bonus action to finally have my spiritual weapon do something. Nice. So I cast Cure Wounds, and I am going to use my bonus action to move my spiritual weapon over to the tree that so rudely threw another tree. That seems really, like, messed up of a tree to do. Let, let me just say that first of all. <laughs> throw another tree into a burning ring of fire. This tree has no manners. When you put a DM in a precarious position where he's like, well, I'm going to roll on the intelligence yeah. chart to see if the tree will just run into the flames or not. And it got a 17 naturally. It's yeah, like, okay, apparently yeah. it's a really smart tree, but a complete and total jerk. My spiritual weapon's going to go over and attack that tree. Nice. And does a 12 hit. Uh, it does not. Yeah, that's what I thought. So it tries to have this really awesome moment. The spiritual weapon gathers some flame in it and then expels it as it tries to hit on the tree. And it just totally whiffs and does not even come close. Oh, well. So, all right. That is it for Comet's turn. We're back up to Cupid now. Unless, Comet, you want to do anything else? Do you want to move within your ring of fire or? No, I think okay. I'm I think I'm good. Okay, cool. Cupid, down, you're up. Down, down, as the flames get higher. It's not a Christmas song. Stop. Sorry, sorry. So Cupid's been focused really heavily on the other three trees that he can see that nothing has happened with. Do you want me to roll a perception to see if anything's going on there? Roll a perception check for me. 17. They look like trees. That they do. All right. Well, then I'll focus on the one that hit the one that crushed me with a flaming pile of its <laughs> dead. Well, no, friend. it didn't. It didn't crush you. You got pushed. Oh, out that's of the right. By it's true. It makes me think of all, all the scenes where, like, the superhero covers the other person while the explosion hits and there's just, like, <laughs> shards and flames every, going everywhere. I've got you. And I look up at you, comment with this starry-eyed gaze, because I always have that, because that's how my eyes look. <laughs> yeah. It's I look different. at you as I normally do all the time. Yes. <laughs> all right. So then I'll just fire away. Nice. 15 to hit. 15 does hit. 14. 14 also hits. Armor class is 13. Oh, wow. So on my two hits, I rolled two eights. So we're starting off with 16, 17, 22. Oh, gosh. Plus 22. That's 50 damage. Uh, Yeah. How, what does it look like when you kill this thing? I think it's I think it's just distracted as it like is reaching over to rip uh, rip yet another tree out of the ground. And I can focus on exactly where the weak point is. Yeah, you see like a little knot, like a little owl hole or something like that in there. Because it's still a tree, so then I focus both arrows directly into that point, and then it splits off, and there's just a stump, and then it falls into the other tree. So some massive arrows. <laughs> well, I assume they like kind of explode because they have that, that psychic. That's true. Psychic That's component. true. Yeah, so they shoot into there, and all of a sudden it's like boosh, boosh, these two explosions, and you see the tree fall into the one next to it, and... With that, you hear everybody just go nuts again all around the arena, and you start to hear Santa just begin to clap over and over, and you see the other trees begin to slowly fade into the ground, and your wall of flame dissipates from around you. And Santa looks at both of you, and he says, Oh, oh, oh very good. One step closer to not only retaining your life, but to having the union that all of you reindeer long for. Oh, I cannot wait for this last round, though. And he begins to take out another uh, ale and smash it uh, up against the gong. And as if the gnomes in the arena knew what was coming next, they all take out 
switching out their green hats, they all take out and put on red caps on their head. Oh, no. And you start to see as Santa raises his hands, about three foot tall grass begins to sprout all around you. And and you start to see this grass, this three foot tall grass start to raise up around you. And you start to see the portcullises open again on either side. And running just above the grass for a second, you see from either side of the arena, one on one side, one red cap that you see just running out of the door for a quick second and then disappearing below the grass. And you see another for about a second disappear below the grass on either side of the arena for you. There's grass here? Yeah, there's like three foot tall grass that sprouted up out of the ground. So I need both well, of you to roll. Well, we just start eating. So I need each of you to roll initiative for me. 22. All right, maybe I'll get a four this time. I would laugh so hard if you got a four. 10. 10. Okay. Cupid will go first, and then one of the red caps will go, and then Comet, and then the other red cap will go. So there's two red caps that we know of that are in the grass, but there's a whole bunch of other ones in the stands. Well, they just pulled their caps out as if like they knew that the red caps were coming. It's like they're so wearing their, are, their favorite team okay. sports. Like yeah, like colors. wearing like a like a Detroit Lions hat or something like that. So we're fighting two game. red caps. Yes, you're fighting oh, two red caps. Correct. So they know they're going to lose. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a sports joke for everyone. The, the Detroit Lions have a great chance of making the playoffs now, Neil. It is utter chaos in the NFL. I love it. Okay, so Cupid, you are up first. You do not currently see any of them, although you are about two feet up above the grass, but you don't see their caps currently. So how high is the like outside ledge of the arena? Um, the outside ledge is probably 10 to 15 feet tall. Are there rules about going on top of the ledge? You've never seen anybody do it before. You could try. That's so tempting. You've never seen anybody do it before, D&D player. <laughs> All right. We're going to find out what that means right now. So I'm going to go, I mean, between movement and teleport, I'm going to go, as long as I don't blow up, I guess, or something bad happen, I'm going to try and stand in front of Santa, on the front of Santa and Mrs. Claus's box, and then <laughs> aim to shoot down into the arena when necessary. Yeah, you start to climb up it, and as you get up to the top, there's almost like a magical force field dome over the top of it that, like, you try to, like, grab up where the ledge would be, and your hand kind of just, like, crumples into this magical force field, preventing you from getting out of the arena. So you kind of do this super cool parkour to get up there, and then it's like, and you just kind of slide back down to the ground below you. Well, that's a bummer. Then I'll just have my back to the wall for now. If you want, I would let you in the midst of that roll a perception check with disadvantage as you're trying to get a glimpse real quick. Well, I got a one thanks to disadvantage, so I got an eight. You have absolutely no idea where either of those red caps went. So uh, with that, Comet, right in front of you, one of these red caps comes charging out with a scythe right in front of you, kind of bearing down, uh, ready to attack you. So... 
Uh, does an 18 hit? I believe that misses, or correct? It misses. All right. Ooh, natural 20 uh, for 15 points of slashing damage. Misses the first one, but then comes back through and kind of gets in a weak spot in your armor and then is going to try and swing a third time at you for an 18 again. So he just misses you. Okay, good. So that's its turn. It's just going to swing through you three times and only hitting you once. And then it's just going to stand in front of you. You can see its eyes are just bloodshot. It just has like this drool almost running down its mouth, looking at this large mustache. Uh, It's just got its sickle looking right at you, ready to take more blood from you. And then it is your turn. Well, it's just like, I too put on a red cap and I turn to try and kill Cupid. (laughs) And Cupid, 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 all you see is... As Comet is standing there, you see this like wicked sickle, just three slices, like just just absolutely fast as lightning coming down uh, and hitting Comet. And you recognize very quickly that there is one of those little guys uh, attacking your friend. So but then I can't while he while he's looking at that. So for my perspective, then I can't see. So would I be able to attack them from where I am or would I need to move closer? Uh, you would have to move closer to be able to see him. You could try and shoot through the grass, but it would be a disadvantage on your on your attack. Okay. So, Comet, what do you want to do? I am going to cast Suggestion on the red cap in front of me. Okay. It must make a Wisdom saving throw. All right. It got a 13. And it, it's supposed to be against my... Your spell. Yeah, which I think is higher than... Okay, yeah, yeah. 16 is my spell, DC. Okay, uh, DC cool. What are you suggesting to it? I'm going to whisper uh, to the red cap, don't attack me, dear red cap. Look up there at that big false red cap sitting. Wouldn't you rather attack him? You see the red cap kind of look over and look up and looks back at you and kind of like turns to head towards Santa, but doesn't That's move. right, he does. All right. Next up is the other red cap. Cupid, as you're sitting back against the wall, you all of a sudden hear to your right. And you see this red cap start to like wall run next to you. And it's going to try Perfect. and kick through uh, with one of its uh, big hefty boots and clock you right in the side of the head. I need you to make a dexterity saving throw for me. Uh, 17. So he tries to swing through and kick at you and just barely misses. But as it lands, it tries to swipe through and attack you three times at the same time. Recognizing that these things are pretty quick. So does a 20 hit. Yep, I'm at, I'm at AC 16. Uh, 20 and then a 17. And then a 17 again. So he's going to hit with all three of them. Doing 9 points of damage. Uh, 7 points of damage. And 5 points of damage. 9, 7, 5. So 20, 21 altogether. And then it is just standing right next to you. I'd probably be on the other side of you. Sick, trying to parkour you and kick you. Uh, so it is back up to your turn, Cupid. Uh, as fun as it is to receive an attack of opportunity, I will definitely do it because I do not want to do this next part at um, disadvantage. So I will accept my attack of opportunity. Okay. Just basically take 
10 feet of movement. I uh, got a 17 again. Woo! Uh, for six points of slashing damage as you walk away, it like gets a slice right across your back. All right. And then just kind of this low growl, just my turn. <laughs> and then um, I'm going to use my last fighting spirit. So everything is at, I get five additional hit points um, for as temporary. Okay. Because um, as you can imagine, my previous temp hit points are very gone. And I get advantage on everything. So I will take my two attacks. And so I got a 23 to hit. Uh-huh. I'll take my second attack. So that's a 16 to hit. I believe that does. Yes, it does. I figure let's just go all in. I'm going to use action <laughs> surge. Nice. And I'm going to take two more attacks of the same kind. Nice. So 16 to hit, which we just said yep. hits. Okay. And then 17. Okay. Triple advantage is very helpful. So if that's all four hit. Yes. That means I'll get sneak attack on one of them because I had advantage. So I'm going to roll 4d8 plus 4d6. Oh, no. 5d6 because of sneak. Plus. Oh, gosh. I have to do real math. (laughs) Plus 56 damage. Holy cow. They're all with sharpshooter. Nice. So let's let's clear this out. Um, so one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five. Thirty-two, fifty-six. Eighty-eight damage oh, into this red yeah. cat. So he comes parkouring off, tries to kick you. You dodge it, but then he gets three quick swipes at you. You back away, and he get one more swipe across your back. He's done a load of damage to you. You look back at him and just unload these arrows. What does it look like when you kill him? Well, I think with that temporary hit points of also like taking that advantage, it's just this, just this focus. To Cupid, there is nothing else in this world except that one red cap right now. And it is just shooting directly through him, you know, going to the full extent of the bow, almost stretching it too far and just four shots. Without question of the first, the fourth has already flown, and then they just crumple, like just crumple into nothingness. And he just turns immediately to this, without a second thought to that red cap. He looks at the other one, seeing if he what else he needs to do, because he is just tore up. Because I have definitely, notably below half hit points. <laughs> so he, yay for those temporary. Hopefully, hopefully they'll help. Every bit of power and thought he has had was focused on that one red cap. Utterly decimated. All of that focus and rage comes out in the way you shoot and the way, just like the brutality in which you hit him precisely throughout his body. And he falls dead to the floor right in front of Santa. But you can see Santa is just like enjoying every minute of this as you look up at him. He just loves this sort of spectacle happening in front of him. And over the years, you get the sense that he doesn't really care what happens in here. He just wants a really good show. And you get the sense that he is getting a very good show uh, in front of him. And so uh, with that, that red cap is dead and leaves the battlefield. We're going to go back to Comet. So, Cupid, as you see this red cap fall in front of you, you see this other red cap shoot, shoot right in front of you and start trying to, like, climb and you see at one point he's like picking up rocks he finds at the ground and starts throwing it up at santa 
you just see him over and over and over again trying to do this, but to no avail. Like you just see the rocks hit off of the off of the screen and you see or the magical force field and you see Santa look down at both of you and just say, <laughs> well done, finish him. Says that to both of you to like finish the red cap in front of him because it's clearly suggesting something that it can't get done, but is going to keep doing it for the next eight hours. So if you guys want to do something super cool together to try and put this thing out of its misery. I, I stand there on my turn looking like I'm thinking about something. I'm not looking at the red cap. I'm looking at Santa. And then I'll turn and look at Cupid and I'll just nod my head. All right. If I'm going to make a spectacle of it, then we might as well make a spectacle of it. I assume that I could. We're just going to do it. And I'll take the damage from the fall. I don't care. Um, so I'm going to use my bonus action to do my last starlight step up. And so then I will appear above and then rain down the arrows basically from the top center of the arena. Nice. Like almost eyeline with Santa and the rest of the spectators and just shoot them directly into the red cap. Nice. Roll for roll for your attack and your damage. You should be able to, you should be able to do it, but. Just in case it doesn't fully work. So that's a 25 to hit on the first one. And you have advantage on this as well because it's not focused on you and focused on something else. Okay, and then 18 on the second one. 52 damage. So you're you're raining down from the top and the same swirling of the snow glittering all around you, kind of almost making this cocoon just... Phoom up above this explosion of snow and then these arrows just choo, choo, rain down into the back of this red cap just kind of like ugh, pinning it up against the wall right in front of santa and with that everyone in the stands even though they were red cap fans and you've seen red caps come in here before you like they are some of the most gnarly creatures that you would face in this entire thing until they get suggestion cast on them of course <laughs> You see all of them, it goes silent for a second, and then there is just this raucous cheer and explosion of excitement, and they start chanting, Comet Cupid, Comet Cupid, over and over, like they are in love with what they have just seen. You two wiping the floor with all of these enemies. I mean, still taking some damage and creating a very memorable experience for all of them. You are certain that like some battles that have come before you, this will be one that is talked about for a long time to come. And Santa stands up in front of you and says, oh, oh, well done, Comet and Cupid. Well done indeed. <sighs> I have not seen a battle like that in quite a long time from anyone who's been on the naughty list. Here's what we're going to do. You have been restored back into the good graces of the northerly island, naughty and nice list. And as a way to both thank you and put you back in right standing, thank you for a great show and put you back in right standing with the naughty and nice list, we are going to grant the request of the reindeer that pull my sleigh the right to unionize here on northerly island both to protect them and ensure that they are taken care of for many, many years to come. You are welcome back uh, into the team as well to pull my sleigh in the years to come, should you wish. And with that, he 
takes out one more ale from his pocket, which is weird that it's like a Mary Poppins pocket of ale, uh, drinks another one and says, may these gladiatorial games of after Christmas be considered done. Crack and smacks it across the gong and shatters it. And you see him stand up, put his cloak back on, uh, grab Mrs. Claus's hand and begin to walk uh, out of the arena. And you slowly see as you two are standing there together, all of the other gnomes that are in the crowd begin to pick up their belongings and begin to exit through the uh, exits out of the gladiator arena. And you can kind of hear as you're standing uh, there, you can hear some of the children and some of the other folk like talking about their favorite moments uh, from this year's gladiator arenas. But I'm curious what Comet and Cupid are feeling in this moment as uh, they have succeeded, albeit having taken quite a bit of damage and being quite scared at some points throughout. Uh, what are what are you two feeling in this moment? Comet just shakes his head. It's just Cupid and him standing in the arena as everybody's like funneling out, leaving. He takes his cigar out of his mouth, throws it onto the ground and crushes it with a hoof and then says under his breath, Cupid, we've got a year. Quickly, we must set up a private meeting. Reach out to Dasher and Dancer and then to Prancer and Vixen. And then we must speak to Donner and Blitzen. And yes, even Rudolph will include him this time. Oh, okay. But next Christmas, the time has finally come to take care of Santa once and for all. <laughs>